Welcome to the CEC report for the 20th of October 2017. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is CEC leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Elisa. And on today's show, government trying to sneak through APRA crisis powers, mobilised to stop them, and top financial honchos warn of a new crash. So firstly today, we have big news, government trying to sneak through APRA crisis powers, mobilised to stop them. Yesterday, the, um, the government introduced to the parliament for the first and second readings, the bill that we've been talking about on the show for many weeks now, which would give uh, our Australian Prudential Regulation Authority, APRA, extraordinary crisis powers to be able to step in and manage any bank or financial institution, insurance company, etc., uh, supposedly to uh, make a financial crisis more manageable. But we'll point out through the show, as we have before, uh, that it won't be more manageable for the individual citizens of this country, in fact, quite the opposite. So I want to start off by just playing the first 30 seconds of the speech of the Treasurer, Scott Morrison, when he introduced this bill. Uh, again, there are a few greater threats to the economic well-being of the Australian people than a financial crisis. Financial crises have the ability to devastate an economy, leading to a mass unemployment and plunging asset prices. In a crisis, credit markets may seize up, meaning no loans for home buyers or small businesses. This would have a severe effect on the well-being of ordinary Australians. Today, the Turnbull government is taking action now to put in place a far-sighted framework to protect Australians against an uncontrolled financial collapse in the future. So there's no way he would put that emphasis on a financial crisis and what could happen if they did not believe, if the government didn't know there was a financial crisis imminent. And listen, there's no way they couldn't know that there wasn't one because of what we've been doing. Look, the Citizens Electoral Council is a well-recognised political party here in Australia. I mean, we've been campaigning against a policy known as bail-in. Mm -hmm. Now, in March of 2013, what shook the world was when the government of Cyprus literally stepped in and stole people's deposits in, in Cyprus. They took anything above 100,000 euros was just taken off the bank, out of deposits of people in Cyprus. And this shocked the world because this was going to become the policy of the European Union. It actually is the policy of the yeah. European Union today mm -hmm. and various other countries. And it was going to become the policy of Australia. We mobilised big time. We actually published a, a pamphlet called Glass-Steagall Now. And we pointed to the fact that there was legislation in train here in Australia and mobilised big time by calling up many, many thousands of people saying, look, this is what's happening now. It all got hushed up. We believe we smashed and broke up the conspiracies behind the scenes to push this legislation forward. But this is now coming back to the fore in mm. the form of this legislation and the f in the form of this sort, these sorts of powers. Because the reality, Elisa, is that since the global financial crisis 10 years ago, nothing has been done to stop the too-big-to-fail problem at the international level and in this country. And what you've got is APRA, which is actually actually paid for by their fees from the banks, which is not acting on behalf of the government per se, but is there, as we've said in publicly, there simply to act on behalf of the banks, mm -hmm. not on behalf of the people. So this is a big political fight, mm. and the Australian people are about to find out that this institution, it does not represent the people it doesn't represent their interest per se for everything that Stock Morris is talking about. 
What we really need in this country, and what we've been campaigning for, is a national bank, a government-owned bank, we've written legislation for this, and Glass-Steagall. Now, Glass-Steagall is a word that they don't want to hear about. We've had massive, we've actually, you know, and you can say some more about this in particular detail, but we've had a massive campaign, a massive petition has just gone into the parliament, 4,000 odd signatures calling for that. I referenced that last week on, on the show. Uh, Glass-Steagall is something that APRA doesn't want to talk about, the Treasury doesn't want to talk about, because what does this do? This is a political policy. It separates out the legitimate commercial banking system that we need. It puts under government control and it protects the, uh, the, the necessary banking system. It says that you can have a banking system. It has to be separate from all the other speculative merchant investment, insurance, housing, stockbroking houses and everything. It's completely and utterly separate. It has its own board and it just runs the boring banking business of deposits, mortgages, loans and so forth and all everything else is separated mm. and that way you separate out any potential problems you have from the collapse of the banking system which is coming in the next financial crisis. Now that policy is not being talked about by APRA, well, they don't want to know about it. That is the explicit alternative to these APRA crisis powers which is why they don't want to raise it because they want to get these APRA crisis powers through hush hush and it has been extremely hush hush uh, when we first reported this, we had literally just stumbled upon it quite by accident, the fact that this was uh, legislation that was being prepared. There's been nothing virtually in the media about it. The public consultation was a complete sham. Um, they, they sought um, submissions to the website through the Treasury, but they didn't publicise it. There were only six submissions, individual submissions, which are now, they've just been reported on the webpage as of yesterday, and they're all from banking insiders. So you've got the likes of the Australian Bankers Association, the Financial Services Council, and even the International Swaps and Derivatives Association, which helped write the bail-in laws for Europe. And in their submission, they advocated for the defence of derivatives and their counterparties in a financial meltdown. Um, and they held, also held up our APRA standard to the FSB, the Financial Stability Board's document on key attributes uh, in the resolution process, which is the very initial document that we exposed, mm -hmm. uh, encouraging all or mandating all G20 countries to implement these bail-in laws. So you can see exactly what this is about. Um, now, that said though, after these six banking submissions, they actually um, mention uh, or reference 253 other submissions, but they don't make them available or publish them. They just report them as all being in support of the CEC's campaign for bank separation. So No Glass-Steagall yet. <laughs> well, they don't want that. I mean, that all no, it no, is... No mention of Glass-Steagall. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. They won't use the word but they reference that without actually making it available or anything about the significance of what that means. And of course, there was no report or conclusion that was posted or that was reached or no, not even any um, indication that they considered any of these submissions, uh, even the banking ones, let alone ours. So what we want everybody to do, Craig, is to call their Member of Parliament because the point of this is that even Members of Parliament didn't know about this. No. Two weeks ago, we met with a federal MP who's quite on top of banking issues, who was just absolutely blown out of the water when we told him about this legislation. Mm. No idea. And there's plenty of others that we've found. A lot of our supporters have gone to their MPs and found the same thing. So 
during the ad, which we'll stop for shortly, look up APH, which is Australian Parliament House.gov.au, senators and members, find the details of your Member of Parliament, give him a call today, because if they're not even aware of this, um, that's no good. But at the same time, tell them, what would you prefer? Would you prefer giving APRA, which has created a housing bubble, which has allowed banks to get away with, you know, uh, money laundering and countless crimes that have ruined thousands of Australians or Glass-Steagall. And if they don't know what Glass-Steagall is, tell them very simply, keeping all the speculation separate from deposits so that if there's a crash, that'll all be protected. And people can get more information on this, Lisa, by jumping onto our website. They can get our last press release as well, which is Stop Morrison Rushing Through Emergency Powers for APRA. Tell your MP, replace APRA with Glass-Steagall National mm. Bank. There's a very good summary there exactly what these powers will do, which is rather frightening. Uh, that's the first thing, but I, I really do encourage people to, to do that because, I mean, the fact is, look, this, this is a sneaky bill. This is not just a piece of legislation that has headline, you know, headline uh, populist uh, subject matter like we're going to drop credit card rates by 5% so people get a benefit. And everyone says, oh, that's great, I'll rush to that bill, and they'll argue that point. This is a, a bill which is, it links many, many other pieces of legislation together. It's an amendment bill, right? Mm. But it has the same effect of massively changing the effect of a significant piece of legislation or other pieces of legislation to give APRA massive powers. So it's a very dangerous bill. Yeah, and they won't be answerable. They'll basically be... Doing, um, they're doing it behind the scenes. They're doing it very sneaky. Exactly. That's the way these things are done. So after the break, we're going to talk a bit more about the momentum to stop this, which is building pace very rapidly. Welcome back to the CEC report. We're discussing how the government is trying to sneak through APRA crisis management powers, presenting it as being you know, something that we need to, to protect the population, where in reality it's quite the opposite. And you can call in uh, for a free copy, if you haven't already, of our Australian Alert Service publication, and you'll find full reports and background on all of this, because we can't cover it all on the show. There's also a new petition on the back there, Alyssa, um, we should yeah. jump in and say, you know, global crash coming, Australian East Glass-Steagall and National Bank, which we can say a bit more about later, but I'll just reference mm. that now. And, and just to reiterate that the reason they need these powers in a hurry, and we'll talk about it more in the final segment, is the financial crash globally is bearing down at a very rapid rate of knots. Um, but the other factor is that the population is waking up. They're beginning to realise that there are solutions that can be implemented and they're supporting the things that we're putting forward, for example. Uh, and you see this in <clears throat> the UK, of course, where the Labor Party under the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn has brought forward policies such as public banking, renationalisation of crucial national assets and Glass-Steagall. And that is getting a lot of support. And even though it's not covered very much in the media here, there's a lot of conduits and it filters through and it, the, the support for it builds quite rapidly. And we recognised this when Jeremy Corbyn came to the leadership. And we'll put up the front cover of the Australian Alert Service from two years ago, headlined, Leadership Change That Will Transform Australia was in London, not Canberra. And that was at the point um, that was just after Malcolm Turnbull had taken over the reins from Tony Abbott, which we saw as, you know, more of the same. Mm. But so the bigger point was what happened in the UK. We knew that would have a mammoth impact on Australia and on the world. And it has because Corbyn has made these ideas mainstream 
in the United Kingdom and it's happening here. So we're going to go through them one by one. Public banking first. Now on last week's show we covered this extensively and we'll just remind you. Um, we've had small business ombudsman uh, Kate Carnell calling for a government bank to fund small business on the 21st of September. We've had Stephen Anthony, who's an economist for Industry Super Australia, suggesting structural separation of banks and a public bank as a potential solution to fix the banking system and the economy. Scott Morrison, earlier on back in uh, May, had called for an affordable housing finance corporation. And these are things along the model of the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, which funds uh, renew renewable energy, but it um, has government investment going into it in a form of a limited form of public credit. Yeah, and it's funny this week, you know, Bill Shorten had to come out this week. Of course, today, unfortunately, as we speak, the Holden plant at Elizabeth in South Australia has been shut down, the end of Holden manufacturing in this country, which is exceptionally sad and very, very mm. disastrous for our country. But Bill Shorten come down, come out proposing a government manufacturing bank, right? Uh, again, a future fund modelled uh, bank, uh, a, 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 a bank managed on the um, future clean fund. Clean Energy yep, Finance again, Corporation, clean, yeah. Yep, same and, thing. and he did propose it as a type of a future fund, which is invested in. So, you know, these guys, none of them have got it precisely right because they don't know the history like we do. It's all dancing around that what we're proposing is an actual national bank where all these entities, all these ideas yeah. come under one roof. Yeah, manufacturing, community housing, everything would be done by that one institution. And that's right. And we've got, we've got that in our... Uh, in our uh, draft legislation for a Commonwealth National Credit mm. Bank as we wrote back, yep. well, back in 1994. So they only need to ring us up. We'll send it straight to them. It's, it's all on there. the website. You know, they can put it in tomorrow instead of these APRA powers, and that's what we need to rustle them up about. Now, on Nash the nationalisation front, uh, we put out a press release a week ago, Take Back the Commonwealth, and we specified exactly the... Um, you know, the rule of, of thumb for what should be nationalised. And we said that the principle is that anything that is a public good and should not be exploited for private profit, especially natural monopolies, must be nationalised. So we went through oil and gas exploration, electricity and gas utilities going back to the days where we actually had the public management, we had cheap power, um, water, telecommunications, pre-Telstra days, anyone got any complaints about them? <laughs> um, public transport, even Qantas for example, airports themselves, toll roads, railways, hospitals, nursing homes. I mean these are crucial things that need to be looked after. That's the whole purpose of government in case people forgot. Um, now the debate is spreading here about that because the public really never liked privatisation but they put up with it until they began to see the shift like what we're seeing in the UK for example. And uh, just in the last couple of days actually that's been furthered by Owen Jones, a journalist and a supporter of Jeremy Corbyn who had a headline article, British banks can't be trusted, let's nationalise them. And he referenced um, expressions of public support for nationalisation in recent polls which showed up to 80 and 90 percent support for renationalising certain assets and um, banks, renationalising banks was on the bottom of the list at 50 percent but he made the point that nobody's even really suggesting that at the moment, not even Corbyn's, but he said yet yeah, look how popular it is because people get it, this is what has to be done for the public good. Now I'll just mention that in Australia uh, there's a union conference coming up in New South Wales which will star Jeremy Corbyn's campaign manager under the theme Australia Buy It Back. 
So this is interesting. And also back in August, the New South Wales had their State Labor Party conference where it was preceded by the issue of Challenge magazine from the left of the party with the headline article, Labor left to embrace Corbyn, torpedo neoliberal economics. And the cover of the magazine, which we can put up, was the Grim Reaper with on the gravestone, RIP neoliberalism. So this is filtering in through these layers very extensively. And the same with Glass-Steagall, which I want to cite a couple of responses we've been getting from members of parliament. Of course, we had one MP we've talked about on the show who approached the Treasury directly about Glass-Steagall because he was excited about it. We had another federal MP who wrote to us recently, I wholeheartedly agree with the intent of the proposal. However, I believe that the current federal government would seek to oppose any such proposal that mirrored this US Glass-Steagall Act. And therefore, I've compiled some draft questions to elicit the government's view on a Glass-Steagall-style separation of Australia's banking system. Uh, another federal MP said, on the topic of Glass-Steagall, I want to tell you how I've been fascinated by the CEC LaRouche arguments here since my university days. That was 15 years ago. Um, and to be very frank, their predictions haven't come true. Mm. Well, we'll have something to say about that in the next segment, Craig, because, you know, wait five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and another former MP actually signed our petition that you held up there before, Craig, for Glass-Steagall out in the street. He came across one of our table sites out in the street and uh, he acknowledged our good work. And another response was from a, an institution uh, who sent through an email saying that all of your CEC updates are circulated as a matter of course to all of our staff and it seems there is broad respect for your position. And these are just a few samples, but this is the response we're getting um, widely, actually. Well, Elisa, you have the people that are in positions that represent the general welfare or, the, or population, you know, the, the general population, that no people are facing a real crisis point and they're real they're real leaders and then you have those that represent the bank the bankers and the financial system the way it is now they're the apologists for the existing system those people are not going to support Glass-Steagall and as I said before this is not a matter of banking policy it's not a matter of economic policy it's a political policy in that we have to win the political argument that it's the general welfare and the common good that has to be put forth by our political leaders, first and foremost. But the, the solutions for banking, as Jeremy Corbyn is, is, is showing, the, all the solutions exist. Mm. The policies are, are just a matter of following them, of laying them down and going, going with them. Banking policies have already existed. We have the Commonwealth Bank in our country as the model to follow. We know how to rebuild our manufacturing. If you go back to Curtin and Chifley and do, do, look what they did during the war. We know how to direct credit of what they did during the war. All of these policies exist. So it's the political will yeah. to follow this. So you have to say, well, in the last 30 to 40 years, which, where has that political will been directed? Well, it's been directed outside the country. When Whitlam tried to buy back the farm in the 70s, he was smashed. And we publicised how that was done, particularly through the British Crown and through Queen Elizabeth herself. So that's the issue. It's interesting, Australia buy back the farm has been picked up by the unions. This is the direction we have to go <coughs> as a country and they're picking it up. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll finish up after the break with a discussion, an update on the latest financial warnings. Welcome back to the CEC report. Top financial honchos warn of a new crash. 
Um, now, yesterday, Craig, was the 30th anniversary of Black Monday 1987 and um, people, for one thing, are making comparisons about today's stock market bubble. I mean, there's a lot of other elements outside of the stock market bubble, such as derivatives that are much worse. But, you know, we haven't seen anything like 1987 since then, but this could be it. It's one of the reasons, at least uh, 30 years ago, the CEC was propelled to become yeah, in right. existence about three, three or four yeah, months Yeah, 30 later. years yeah. Uh, next year, isn't it? That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, now, the, so the warnings come from very high levels and I'm not going to go through all the media and press headlines and all the analysts because there's simply too many to mention. Uh, but the IMF World Bank just had their annual meetings in Washington, D.C. and they have warned that in the OECD countries, which includes Australia, that debt leverage ratios for corporations and households are at record, record levels and will not survive rising interest rates. So they were warning about uh, the slowing down of quantitative easing and other details which are driving the debt leverage higher. Now this was echoed after those meetings at a group of 30 meeting on banking by Gary Cohn, who's Trump's economic advisor. Uh, and he, the gist of what he said uh, was that the regulatory system that was introduced after the global financial crisis to remove the threat of too big to fail banks has itself made the problem worse. I mean, APRA, the Treasury should take heed of that because we're still on that train of implementing more of those post-2007-08 uh, solutions, so-called. Now, also, Mark Carney, the Governor of the Bank of England, has warned, and this was to the House of Commons, actually, he said that $25 trillion in over-the-counter derivatives transactions and contracts will fail if Brexit were to happen tomorrow or if it were to happen in a uh, disorderly fashion. Because basically, um, the contracts are written in such a way that the UK um, and the European Union are part of the same jurisdiction. But if the UK is not part of the EU, those co contracts are no longer valid. So he said that the House of Commons, this is obviously what he was appealing for, have to pass legislation in order to change it all. Mm. But obviously there's a great risk there. Now, Glenn Stevens also here in Australia, the former head of the Reserve Bank, I think he was, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. He said there's an increasing likelihood that an adverse shock would lead to a sharp and disruptive correction in asset prices. And there's various other warnings. Um, you know, one headline that I couldn't pass up was hedge funds are dancing on the rim of a volcano from yeah. Business Insider. There's been a lot of volcanoes blowing up lately. <laughs> so this all reinforces the need for Glass-Steagall and national banking because there's no way that these so-called APRA crisis powers, which just allow you know, people to step into a bank and run it and manage it. How are they going to run it, run and manage a situation which is blowing up the entire systemic crisis? That's why, we, that's why, Elisa, it makes sense to act now. Don't get into this risk management stuff that APRA is doing. Mm. We need Glass-Steagall. Let's do an orderly, you know, preemptive, real, preemptive reorganisation of the banking system. Let's protect our banking system. Push all the speculative stuff off to the side. Get rid of it out of our banking system, and then rebuild the actual productive and necessary economy, go with large-scale infrastructure development projects, create jobs through large-scale infrastructure projects, high-speed rail, water projects, space, mm. all of these sorts of things that we can do in this country. There's plenty of things that we can do. Again, political will is what's required. Yep. And that's why people need to call in and get copies of our Australian Alert Service and join us. This is a political fight, people. This is not a question of economic policy or opinion. 
per se, it's a question of people getting active yeah. and joining what we have to do. And don't forget to ring your Member of Parliament. So that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for joining me, Craig. Thanks, Elisa. And thanks for joining into the CEC report and join us again next week. Thank you.